Hey everybody, I'm Matt Hill. I'm a night fire specialist. I'm here for the Poppy Energy Show in the Trace Management Podcast Studio. Trace Management, uh, engineering firm, uh, graciously uh, giving me space to talk with my friends. Uh, I'm going to introduce my friends along and let you guys introduce yourselves. Let's go around the room. What's your name? Hi, I'm Stephen Davis, and uh, happy to be here, Matt. Thank you to Trace for all the, uh, the hosting. Yeah. Uh, this is really fun. I've been looking forward to it. I've been looking forward to it. Steve Davis, I've known this guy like 20 years, started off uh, taking me on uh, ski trips with uh, Warren Gaskin. We have a lot of fun with that. What about you, buddy? Back in the room. <laughs> <laughs> I'm George Edwards, Edwards Environmental Corporation. I appreciate the opportunity to do another one of the podcast with you. But you're not seat, man. I always got questions for you, buddy. Well, I generally have answers. May not be the right one, but I've got answers. I, mean, yeah, I, don't, I don't bring you here for the right answers, just for fun answers. And then we have a brand new guest. Brand new. Yeah. Me. Yeah, walked in the studio. He's like, what is going on in here? I'm glad you're here. What if I walked in, too? <laughs> Greg, Greg, introduce yourself to the I'm Greg Hall. I'm chairman of Wellcaddy. We're a monitoring measuring company, but been long gas business for over 45 years. I'm an operator for over 40 years. So nice. Uh, I like to get yeah, a few background. I've made five rattlesnake roundups in my career. Uh, 1983, 
good hands, right? This is something that can help. You have to relocate people. We are competing right now for good hands. Right. I don't know about <laughs> yeah. you or you, but I am having, every one of us is having a really hard time finding people that want to get into long dance. There's a couple of things, and I think George will testify this. People our generation, a lot of them are left. Yes. They just quit. And the last downturn, they just said, it'll never be good enough for me to make it matter. So they left, and with them left a lot of power. And that's true in many industries. There's other industries that I work in besides oil and gas. And uh, I was in a conference two days ago in Nebraska, and I asked for a show of hands of how many people that were in the business five years and less. And there was two hands that came up. Everybody else had been there much, much longer. Is that two whole hands from two separate people, or was that like five people? <laughs> <laughs> two human beings <laughs> raised their hands. And there's a, there's a separate part of this. Now I'm going to go back in time, 1986. Mm-hmm. You remember we were at $30 and we went under 10 and yes. wiped a lot of people out. And everybody that was headed to engineering school switched, and that was the rise of the computers and they went to MIS. And so in the industry from 1986 to 2000, there are just very few technical people even exist. Go try to hire somebody in that age group. They, they just don't exist. And so now what you've got is you've got the 60 and over. Yes. And 45 and young. Yeah. Nothing in the middle. There's nothing in the middle. And I, and I tell the young people, another five years, you're going to run the whole industry. We're all going to be gone. And you're going to run it. So get ready at, you know, at 45 and 50. It's, it's going to be yours. And so, actually, that's the positive out there. Is everybody ahead? There's nobody ahead. Well, I, I wish there were, because it's always nice to stand sit next to somebody that's been in their entire lifespan. Been there, done that. What do you think? Because I'm about to throw out a big decision here. I need this people to come tell you about that. The, the worst thing our industry has done is let experience and that's 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 what that's what our foundation is. So hey, you know what? We're gonna have to just pull it up, pull it out somehow. So the other bad information that's out there is that the industry itself is going away. No. It will never happen. It's it's physically it violates the second law term of dynamics. It's not gonna happen. Physics or it's, it's not gonna happen. And and so because of that there's a really bright future. Even with the rise of all the alternative energies, I heard statistics the other day. That even if the you know, EV revolution takes over, you know, all those projections, we're still going to have a 10% increase in the need for petroleum just because of the growth of the world. So, sure. the, the future in this industry is unbelievably bright. Great. So, Come get in and learn how to do it. It's, it's going to be really Tell cool. me all of your history. I mean, we've got time in here. That's sure. This is for. I, I want to hear more. Okay, about here's some I'm going to creep on your history a little bit, but I want you to tell here's everybody else. Here's thing. Here's how it works. I was the last engineering class. At the University of Oklahoma, it's called Slide. Fall of 1969, up on the board. And then next year, the Bomar handheld calculator came out, add, subtract, multiply, and divide. 125 bucks in 1970. And HP came out with HP35, and the HP45 was programmable. You know, and then everything in technology just took off from there. Uh, Yes. Do you remember, remember the HB12C business calculator? I do. I still use mine today. Yeah, no. But, but before then, we carried books and continuous tables. And yes. Anyway, it was, a, it was a real interesting time to go through school. And when I started, oil was $2.20 a barrel. Profitable. And when I got out, 
timing is everything. My fall of my senior year was the air oil embargo, 1973. Oil went from $2 to $8 almost overnight. And I remember my drilling professor walked in one night and told everybody in the room, he said, you fellas are getting ready to be recruited like blue chip running backs in the state of Texas. And that was true. I had five job offers. And finally, I went to work for Chevron. My starting pay was $685 a month. And they called me and said, just don't listen to anybody else. We know what's going on. By the time I showed up to work, my opening salary was $1,000. 40% raise and I've never worked that. Wow. That's just all timing, right? And that's and timing. I, yeah. And, and I didn't know how I was going to spend $1,085. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you were smart, you would have been buying real estate. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, you know, that's something, Steve. I mean, have you gotten, have you seen, so you and I have been in this long enough to know the ups and downs. And when you and I were younger, if we got a little bit of extra money, we didn't think to go buy real estate. And now you're doing a very good job about reaching out to oil and gas workers and saying, hey, look, by the way, you guys can go, you can go buy that boat and the fancy, you know, cars and all the, all the gadgetry, or you can start investing in your future, which we haven't done very well of in our industry. Right. You know, a part of my job now is I look at credit reports all day. Right. And, uh, I was looking at one the other day. This, this gentleman has, uh, he bought a Harley Davidson for $37,000, has a $900 a month payment. And he can't get qualified to buy a house. So he's got a motorcycle that depreciates and you can't buy a house that depreciates. He's missing out on all the appreciation going on in the real estate market right now. And so that's the thing is like being smart, you do get the opportunity to make a lot of like a good day wage or uh, get a good job in oil and gas. I mean, be smart. I like where you're coming at this and saying, hey, look, all the companies, all the service companies, all the operators, like offer this to your employees and make it known that, hey, there's other options out there. Right. And here's... The reason why people on gas work so hard, the reason why they work away from home is their family. So this, you know, set down some roots, get a roof over their head, and the ups and downs of the business, you, you're going to have your house. Yeah. How many families have you had in one gas? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm curious when you look at the loan application, how many what I call newbies under five years coming out of school have a huge amount of student loan debt? How does that affect you? Well, the biggest trend right now and what I see um, are student loan deferrals. So the sort of like the people could defer their mortgage for a while. People do that with student loans too. They've got over $100,000 in student loans or $40,000 in student loans. A lot of people haven't even consolidated them yet. So they have all these different trade lines in their credit report, all these different, you know, for each semester, I guess it was. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a little scary because eventually you have to start making payments on them again. I mean, it's obviously has to be on their ability to qualify. Correct. And it affects their debt to income ratio. And that, that makes me want to get it. every young engineer for doing completion production. All these guys coming out of college, man, reaching out to them right now and getting you know, as they're coming along. So, hey, let me help you. I mean, we're all I think that's going to be a big drag on our economy because all the debt that all the wage earners come out and have to figure out they kind of been sold the bill of goods in my did your yeah. did your college weigh you down with debt when you were done? It wasn't it wasn't available. It, wasn't available. it really wasn't available. Uh, it was whatever help you got from your parents, a lot of part time jobs. I referee basketball games at the downtown Oklahoma City Y. Uh, in fact, a quick story on that. We had a particular this game and uh, I called a foul at the end and I hear out of the stadium, you hear this voice that that guy better not make that shot. 
And so I called time out and I went over to the scorer's box and they paid us some cash that was took it out of cash box. I said, I want my money and I want the other rest of my money. Which is why I said, this, this kid makes a shot. I'm running. <laughs> and I need the $50. <laughs> That's funny. I'm going to a basketball game after this, actually. My, my kid uh, plays basketball. Well, he's my stepkid, okay? I'm like 5'7", he's 6'3", right? I've seen him so, play basketball. Yeah. So I, I've seen games like that where the refs are running after the game. That's right. <laughs> but I'm, I'm taking my medicine. <laughs> George, what do you got going on right now? now you've you got the George Edwards, Edwards Environmental Corporation, and ultimately, I'd like to see you out there remediating more well sites. It's been a couple of years since I've done any uh, salt water remediation. Water for a lot of people taking care of water issues. I I think with uh, oil and gas the way it is right now with the whole ESG, I'm sure you've heard a lot about you know the ESG points in the world. What can you do, you know, to really let these companies know that what what you do is not terribly expensive to go out and remediate you know, the sites. I look at uh, a couple of things. We're the best stewards of our you know, industry ourselves. Right. Our I, my upbringing uh, is such that um, I always look at the cost-benefit ratio and I'm always dealing with opium, other people's money. And so uh, that's always in the front of what I do. Uh, when you look at digging hall, you're looking at a hundred, two hundred dollars a cubic yard to uh, haul it off, and you still got to do something with it, even if it's hauled off. I've done saltwater remediation projects for as low as twenty-five, thirty-five dollars a cubic yard uh, for my portion of it. And so, again, the cost-benefit ratio was there, and I was active with uh, one uh, major oil company for about five years. And we did over 45 uh, saltwater remediation projects in southeast Oklahoma. And then um, we had that gross production tax and a few other little things that uh, entered into, COVID entered into it. And the major said, we can't afford that and uh, we will sell out and leave. And they did. But with, with regulatory the way it is now, nowadays, I mean, and insurance companies you know, do in lawsuits possibly in the future, I mean, Right. It'd be, you know, better to say, hey, if there's any possible way to make sure that we always go out and test every well site on a regular basis. And guys like you are not only testing, but hey, we got this covered, you know, whatever, wherever it might land on a per year basis, you know, and say, hey, I'm going to take care of this well site for you per year. You know, here's roughly what it's probably going to cost. Well, keep product out on it and make sure that all the media issues are taken care of. And there's so many ways to make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm sure the insurance companies out there would love, you know, to hear Somebody that can manage it. Yeah, say, hey, look, you know, hey, operator, we got this. You know, we appreciate what you do for the world. This isn't in your worry about the wheelhouse. This is for me to take care of, and I got you. You know, no problem. Well, that's one of the things, actually, that Will County does. I, when I started as an operator, I had a no-skill rule on my own properties. And it was out of self-defense. It wasn't a big issue back in the early 80s. But I didn't want to talk to the landowner. I, 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 didn't, I didn't want to talk to the regulatory people. And so... It's the ounce of provisions for the time to cure it, right? Right. It's the best way to go about it. The film never had it happen. And so when we started Well Caddy, we realized that less people, less experience, you could measure tank levels, monitor tank levels, you could control pumps. And, you know, we've got alarm systems that we put on it. And we essentially check your tank nicely times a day. And so you know what your tank capacity is. You know what your fill rate is. And you can look at it. And here's, here's one of the best situations. It's, you'll know this intuitively. 
Friday night, everybody's tired. It's snowing. You turned a well on, and you're thinking in the back of your mind, is that tank going to overflow? And so you have to sit there and agonize and make a choice. Am I going to get in the truck and go back to the lease or not? Well, with well, Caddy, you're sitting there watching gun smoke. You can look at it on your phone, and then you get to decide, no, it's getting full. I need to go do something, or I need to call somebody, or no, I've got enough capacity for in the morning when you go to bed. Mm-hmm. That was designed out of my experience as an operator. That was that was no great insight. It's just having a no-brainer. Inside, gotten off the couch and drove out there, and it was okay. Or I didn't get off the couch. And, and, no yeah. and so with technology, you know, this couldn't have been done six, seven years ago, but the technology developed, computers, cell phones, all that is, it's, it's just, it's just a really easy way. Well, what's the value of never having a spill? I'm not qualified to answer that. But you are, you could probably put a number on it. Uh, every, the way I look at it, every situation is unique. Um, location, uh, concentration of salt, a number of things all come into it. Creeks. Yeah, creeks yeah. run into the Tulsa City water supply. Yeah. I've got a well right off of like Keystone, and I tell everybody I do not want to be on the sixth block news. I don't have no. a lot of time left in my life. Hey, and in Oklahoma, that may not happen, but man, if you're in Colorado, then you're well, flying your helicopters at the well sites. Well, that's the other yeah. thing, you know, been wrong. drones are now yeah. in existence, and the EPA and other agencies are monitoring the drones, so there's a lot more monitoring capability. All sure. For me, they're doing methane, no emissions, drone work. Yeah. yeah. And then look, there is a class of citizens. I'm not running them down, but they take it seriously and they love to go out and find violations and report. So it's a it's a different world. Because, right. Um, it's, right. It's different. If in the early '80s you were promoting this, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have happened. No, it's here now. Well, yes. I've, been, I've been following Bill Cat a lot. I mean, honestly, for this maybe a little selfish reasons, but night fire specialists, my fire suppression systems will eventually be open be on every well site across the U.S. at tank batteries or SWD. And so with your technology, you might be able to marry it to ours. And if there's, uh, you know, you guys might be able to tie in like uh, uh, that heat and fire with what you've already set in place. And then you can remotely set off our fire suppression systems. So it's even, it's even better than that. We have a very simple little device. It's very inexpensive. We call it our Modbus gateway. But there are a lot of smart devices in the field already. They're already out there. The technology's there. They have an output. You can read them. But in the modern day world, most people get in the truck, drive out, stick a thumb drive in, download it, take it back to office. Well, it doesn't seem to be the highest and most efficient use. And you're still putting No, it wouldn't be. Right. And you're putting in harm's way too. Sure. And timing and everything else. Well, this, if, if you've got an output, we can plug into it. We can map a register and report to your phone with alarms. Wow. So what, what do you want to know? And and here's the last thing. This goes back to what you did, George. Uh, it's a date stamp. Okay, so now you got a third-party date stamp. You overflowed on this tank. No, I'm looking at it right now, and our tank level was three feet six. I don't know where the water came from, but it wasn't us. So how how do you have a time stamp on everything that you do? How do you prove you didn't do something? Uh, the earthquake stuff, we worked with the geologic survey. Yep. In fact, you know, there's a guy down there, Kyle Murray, who might be listening uh, he just he just left the survey. I don't know what he's doing. I saw it on LinkedIn. And a good good guy. And we put the they were measuring earthquake activity, and so we just contributed our devices to them so they could measure it remotely. Well, okay, how do you get into this? We didn't cause the earthquake, right? Yeah, I have a disposal well, but I'm, I'm who says how much you put in? Well, we've located got a timestamp. You know how many barrels? 
Interesting. Yeah, and we had an earthquake this morning in Blanchard. Okay. Well, there's a few wells down there. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other thing, uh, earthquakes kind of disappeared when the price of oil dropped, yeah. production <laughs> dropped, injection rates dropped. Everything dropped. Everything dropped. <laughs> now, as you got activity ramping back up, what are the injection rates? What's that going to look like? I mean, we don't know, but we know more about it now. We're monitoring. So, you know, there's all types of pieces of technology, and you couple that with the fact that people have disappeared, and uh, not seriously, they're just retired. Uh, and you've got a whole younger generation that gets tuned into their phone. Okay, it's not on my phone; it doesn't exist. And so, use the phone as the window to their world. And uh, yes, it is. I, we've got clients that be sitting at the Thunder game and they'll be checking. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, I, I, I haven't. Seen, I mean, I've been seeing that. Yeah, our whole our whole career. Most of our friends that are our consumers, you know, customers and friends, we take them to you know whatever, and they definitely are looking at their phone on the app. Well, yeah, they can see the taco. Yeah, hey, guys, going to make a call. Does that and they can come back to? I mean, it's a it's a great improvement because they can still have a life and still monitor the wells and take care of the people. Out this is my company, but I drill a lot of wells. Yeah. We have a device we use Payson. Payson's great. They're, they're great. I use them, and I used to have to when we were going to drill through the zone. I used to have to get up and drive out there at three in the morning. Well, now I just wake up and go look at it on my computer or on my phone, and then when I'm free, I go back to bed. Or my dad's uncles who would have to Pretty drive it for it all right? Yeah, get on yeah. the payphone or get on the backbone eventually. You know, those guys call the payphone. I I'm old enough. I carry ten dollars worth of quarters and rolls with me at all times, so that I could leave the rig, drive to a little town, find a payphone, and the generation today doesn't even know what a payphone. No, they have no clue. Or a bank phone. I was in a hotel where they had a big, it was very elaborate bank of what we used to do with the payphone for and I asked right. this young person who worked for me. <laughs> I said, do you know what that is? And they went, I don't have a clue. And I said, no, so I gave you a story. <laughs> and when I got, how I got my first cellular phone, it was a car phone. Yeah. And the reason is, is it had to go in your car. It had to have a big enough battery that it would operate. Yes. But remember those days? Completely changed my life. Where'd you go after Chevron? Uh, I worked for Kirby for a few years, and uh, that was a, that was a great still drill wells every now and then. Uh, yeah, that, that was a great experience, but I always wanted to be in business for myself, and I used to go to lunch with all the engineers up there, and everybody was driving about their job, and, you know, and I did a little calculation on the back of the napkin, that if I could just get five barrels a day to my name, I would never go hungry. Now, that's a pretty lofty go, right? My, my joke is, I've been in it 40 years. But I mean, to me, it was all about independence and freedom. When you say I'm an independent oil producer, all caps, bold letters, italics, underlined, independent. More than anything, family. Do I work hard? Yes, but I've got free time with my family. I get to choose when I want to work, what I want to do. My dad was an independent oil producer, and I remember many times uh, he had a little field down by Pumpkin Center on the East Range of Port Sill. And uh, he'd go down, and he would do the repairs on the wells. They were strippers. And it was 1960, and I said, Dad, can I help? Is there something I can do to help? And so at 10 years old, I'm there on the ladder with some silver paint, painting the tanks. So we've was been, it a little shallow? Uh, yeah. 800 feet? Yep. I, I, it may not be the exact one, but I've worked on one down there. And it was right opposite the firing range, and you could hear them shooting the shells off. Oh, we had uh, a few 
uh, shells landed in the pasture to the south of the well and killed a cow. Happened to me, but I've heard those stories. Yes, yes. It's probably the same, seven or eight hundred foot. Yep. Production. Household or well, what it was. To this day, huh? Are they still producing? I don't know. Dad probably it may have gone dry. I I don't know. Too many years ago. I'm pretty excited right now. Hey, so the last time I was in here, this was an announcement. If anybody's still watching, but forever, wherever I was asking every single person that came in here, like, how many wells do you think are producing in the U.S. right now on the books? Right, like we can actually you know, record data, and man, we could not you know, find that. So anyway, a friend of mine, Michael Dunn, was in here not too long ago. Even and Michael, he oh, he went digging. He finally got me an answer. It was from their EIA government website. He started coming through data. Roughly one million wells are on the bush right now producing. You know, it's like nine hundred and some odd, you know, thousand blah blah blah. But it's roughly one million wells producing on the books in the And then I was like, okay, so now that we have that answer, if anybody out there, my next question to the US is how many of those wells are flaring? How many of those have trapped gas that we're having to flare? You know, if there's any possible way that anybody can give me that data, I'm just very curious. We have roughly one million wells producing in the U.S. land that we're recording. I'm sure there's others out there, but then how many of those have flares? I would imagine quite a bit. I imagine quite a bit too. And that'd be wasting a lot of natural gas. Well, and but once again, you know, like well, Caddy, our industry is the absolute best at solving our own problems. We have the engineers and the drive. First of all, anything that's wasted is wasting money. Correct. Very economically efficient, if anything, which in turn goes out to environmental efficiency, but with that said flared gas, we are now coming up with solutions like Bitcoin mining, where we've at least like showed the American public, hey, we're gonna have to put in some pipelines. If you don't want flaring, cool, no problem. You have to get rid of this gas somewhere. Pipelines are the best, Bitcoin's next. Either way, you tell us what you want to do. So I had a conversation just two years ago, two days ago. We've got a little small field it's not completely stranded because it's curtailed, but it has a Grand River Dam authority transmission line runs right through it. So the discussion was how to take the gas, build a generation station, and sell gas to the Grand River Dam. Are they open to that? Because so far in Oklahoma, most of the companies have not been open to taking our electricity. Publicly, they tell you, yes, we would do it, but when you get down to the negotiation, it's, we don't want to bother with it. I'm not saying yes or no about Grand River Dam. But interesting you said that. I put in my checklist, item one, just run the quick feasibility now. Will this work? Okay, because if it's not going to work, there's no need to pursue it. But two is before we do any work and spend any money, we got to go get a contract. We got to go to them and say, is it possible to do it? So we're, you know, those are the type of things that people are looking for and looking to do. And uh, I know in West Texas, particularly before the downturn, they were going around the cities trying to figure out. How could we sell you or give you free gas? How could we convert you so that you would burn up all this excess gas that we just didn't flare? At a discount. At a discount. So you get to sell it. Sign me up. Cheap energy. But regulation won't do that yeah. because it will make it too cumbersome and it'll interfere with the free, free market. People can move much faster when they solve the problem and get it done. So anyway, there's a weird how our government doesn't like us to have cheap, affordable, reliable energy sources right at our fingertips. We were approaching energy independence. Yeah. We, we were at energy self-sufficiency, but we were approaching total independence. This downturn came, I'm not blaming that on anybody, it was, it was tough. But now we've got a group of people that are asking the Saudis to produce more instead of enabling people in our country 
It's a treasonous little group of those guys. Just say, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I all agree in this room. And if you're watching, I'm sure you agree. You might be, we might be sending out this video to a bunch of, uh, this is an echo chamber, we know this, but if you're not in oil and gas and you might be, uh, you know, pro independent energy, you listen to it. We're here to help. I think, I think the other thing is the implication is more people are against any type of new technology, alternate technology. Hey, if you want an electric car, I want you to have, seriously, you need to have electricity. Uh, if, if you, if you want to do alternate things, solar, I'm for it. Personally, I think the universities ought to have more money to do R and D because there will be a time we'll we'll need to be good at it and we'll need. Uh, but I don't. I'm not. I'm not a big believer in the government picking winners and losers. No, that's all. This is power grab. I'm on. They're not qualified. Yeah, they're just they're hey, man. smart people, but they're just not qualified. That's the whole key. They're not qualified. <laughs> they're not qualified. What all? What all does Will Caddy do? Like, give me like all the bullet points of everything you guys can. Okay, uh, I'll tell you how to start. There we go. I like that. Okay, we're origin story. This, this origin is story. actually pretty cool. So, <laughs> in my oil company, and it, it sounds more impressive than it really is. It's just, it's just my, my, my. I don't. Wife, I don't my, even care about the truth in here. I just like it. My, <laughs> <laughs> my wife is an agent capital, not that she's rich, but back in she the days when I quit, she was a nurse and. She worked and we ate, made her house note, and I started her business. So fast forward, I, I, all, I created an internship program at our company because I created a job that I wished I had had when I was a student. It's in my field, it pays more than minimum wage, and I get to do it when I can do it, not when people want to write. So with technology, I could have an intern working on their computer remotely watching a football game on Sunday afternoon. I actually have witness to that. So over the years, I've had a hired 20 interns and great talent. Two of them still work for me. I mean, I've got permanent employees. But one of the founders of Well Caddy, Caleb Ashley, was an intern. And I noticed that Caleb was more than two deviations from the mean Okay, he was, he was just different from day one. So we got to talking about some of these operational issues and he said, I can solve that problem. And I said, well, okay, Mr. Bigshot, uh, do it. And let's go do it. And I took him off his turn roles. And, and he's a mechanical engineer from OU by graduation, but his specialty is robotics, making things move in another room. That's what he does. And uh, it's, it's actually pretty good. So he showed me these little gadgets that he built. And, and, and I, I was really impressed. I said, all right, here's the problem. So he came in a couple days later. Here's the solution. Okay, how much is it going to cost? He told me, go do it. And he worked. A couple of years as an intern, and we provided the money. And I, I actually, I just wanted to see if we could do it like that. That's all, that was my one But at some point, it actually worked. <laughs> and we had to make the decision is this a cool science project that we're just going to kill, or are we going to kind of turn it into a business? We started this from scratch and stuff. Because there's a lot of moving parts. And anybody that says, hey, this guy got rich and all we did was that. I've never seen it So anyway, we started small and it was difficult for friends and family, but I had production, so I was beginning to. And our big deal was solar injection wells and water. And I was getting all kinds of reports. It just, I had no idea what was going on. Mm-hmm. So we invented a device that could measure the injection rate and the injection pressure. So with the injection pressure, if it's always 300 pounds, then I don't need to acidize, right? I see my injection pressure start to rise. Well, what? I'm stable enough or something. 
or my pumps aren't working. I mean, I can tell. And so we can find that out. Well, we can find it out the next day. And so that worked. And so we would go around to people and say, well, what else? Well, we have a device called the camp clamp. It's non-invasive. It's real simple. It measures the current through the line that goes to your motor running. Not real diagnostic, but hey, running, not running. Well, how many wells did, that were making three barrels a day you thought were running and you realized it's been down 30 days? And nobody knows. Wow. Running, not running. Okay. Uh, I got a saltwater pump. Mm -hmm. And it's supposed to kick on at a certain level. Running, not running. Is that important? Absolutely. Yes. It's just real simple. And so then we, then we just start talking. And the best device we have, bar none, is my best gateway. It's really simple. It doesn't do any diagnostic. Just back to what I was saying before. You've got an ABB total flow meter and you're measuring. You've got all the different parameters. We plug it in. It's got a card. You plug it in. It's got some power source. And we map the registers. What do you want? You want static pressure, differential, line pressure, cumulative volume, yesterday's daily records. ABB total flow might measure, I don't know, two, three thousand pressure. You don't need all that. So we gave you top five, whichever one you want. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, your oil changes. Because guess what? Natural gas is a proxy for oil. You got a fluid oil well or producing oil well, and you're making it's a thousand one, you're making a hundred MCF a day. Well, okay, you make a hundred barrels of oil. But if your gas goes down, that's a pretty quick signal, right? Something else. So that is the easiest way to know. And we call it the 60% solution. You know, if I say zero to 60, what, what do you think about it? Speed. Yeah. How fast can a car or Mustang go from zero to 60? Uh, that's what, my, well, our zero to 60, and I'm, I'm arguing people over here get on me about this, but right now you're at zero. You don't know anything, really. And I can get you to 60, 60% in less than an hour. Wow. Out there, we can hook it up, and all of a sudden, it's like the scales off your eyes. You just, you can see everything. Then you start asking questions, and then a real interesting thing. When the pumper figures out that you know more about what's going on than he knows, guess what? He doesn't like that. Then he wants to know a little bit more. And all of a sudden, the dialogue is good. And so I get up every morning. I, I have it on my own wells. And I can check all my wells in about 30 minutes. So there I'm in my pajamas, drinking a cup of coffee. I've got my iPad or my cell phone. I've got a little scratch pad that I use. And I just go in and look at everything. Most of them are okay. But I'll have three or four, and I'll type those in a text. And I do not send the text before 8 o'clock. I, I just don't. I, I don't know why. I just I okay. don't think I'm bugging. But at 8 o'clock, everybody's supposed to be at work, right? And I have this question, this question, and this question. It's not an accusation. It's a question. I'm the owner. I don't understand this. And then they'll go, I'll get back with you. Or, oh, yeah, I knew something about that. And it just set, it sets up a dialogue. And so production increase, I'm going to say your average, and what is it? Is it 20%? Production increase is just across the board. Twenty percent. Okay, huge. It's not rocket science. All that is is shortening the distance between failures. The meantime distance between failures is shortened. You're running more. That's not any problem that you solve. That's not any big deal. That's just fine too. So now you can do that. And I've got I've got numbers to prove it. I've done it on my own stuff. And uh, so that's 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 what we do. We take you from zero to sixty. Wow. Less than an hour. So that's great. incredible. No, no, no special computers, no special programmers, no operators, nothing. We sat down when we started this, and there was 
three of us are operators, all our own different perspectives. And we made a list of everything that go wrong and everything that we hated and all and we just said we're gonna we're gonna eliminate all of that. And it's gotta be easy to use, it's gotta be transparent. The accountants have to be able to look at it along with engineers, along with customers. We've got to do it, it's just it's gotta be used most probably with technology that's invented by technologists who don't know what the customer really wants. We are the customer. So you know exactly what you yeah. need when you need it. Yeah, if, if you tell me I want to come out to an environmental site, saltwater spill, or whatever, I know, I know, I know what you're looking at. First of all, you're trying to keep the saltwater, right? Right. And then you need to know what's going down the well. You need to know what the pressure on the well is. Right. So it's just it's just basic stuff that comes with, you know. I can't hear you. Before you hear it's fine. Here, you got a couple of seconds we can always ask. But we're going to write over there. Oh, screen? Oh, okay. So he's, got a, he's got a pocket he's got to talk about. Okay. Yeah, no, we, we want to. Uh, Total Street, it, it's not our company. It's a, it's a, Partnering. it's a partnership. Okay. Yeah. And the, the reason I love Total Street is their formal oil and gas operators do. Yeah, same type thing. They operators are taking technology and create something operators can So what they do is they're an asset management system. And I'll give you the easy answer. If you ever been in the field and you were checking on one well, so you had the well record file, but while you were there, there was another problem. And you had to call back, where are the perks? Where is the busy set? Do we have a packer in the home? You know, all this time. Well, they're not here. They're at lunch. They'll be back. They had to go to the doctor and everybody's out there waiting around. Total Street is a total asset management company. It's online. Your company is online. All your production history, your well history, your well reports, your schematics, everything that you would need. And if you're out there working on something, just log into it and it's there. In, 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 in. So all the well county data feeds into that. Well, Katie, is, that's what we've done. They didn't have that piece. So we're creating a product now where Well, Katie will feed in there, and then the other product is. For buyers and sellers of oil and gas properties, this is really great. Okay, so it's interesting you say that. So people go to sell a property or go buy a property. What's the question? Well, give me all your data. Do you have a data room? Can I see your well? And there's this whole level of work. Well, if your company's mounted online and all your production here, you just give them a pass code. Mm-hmm. And they just log in. You just say, "Knock yourself out." When you have a, you have a question, call me. I'll be glad to explain. And so all, that's what Postscript does for all the uh, you know, capital companies out there that want to pitch in and start a new company in five years, want to flip it, and they've used your you know data the whole time. Boom! What, what about all the non? What about all the non-operators who rely on the revenue, and the first time they find out about the revenue is in the checking account? Yeah. Okay. With well, Caddy, with Postscript, there's it's unlimited use. You just have to have a username and password. You can limit access to certain wells. You can have different pumper routes. Uh, so it, it, it's a, what you say? Absolutely. I mean, we've got a project going right now where they're, we're not the only ones that do this. And so you go to a company, well, they've got a big investment. Well, I'm interested. well we're, we're going to, we're almost there. We have the capability now. You, no matter where you're, who gathers your data, you can send it to an API to our device. So the real goal is one unified website. That has, you don't have to go to multiple websites. Just look at one. It, I mean, it's wherever you are, you can see the help. So that's the kind of new world stuff that back in 1969, when they thought the slide rule was not possible, not possible. but because a young intern taught me how to do robotics and programming and API and all that stuff. Uh, so quick story. I'm, I'm in college. There's no quick story. Okay. I'm you, you stretch it out. I mean, one of my, uh, one of my professors, Dr. Henry Fitchell, he still may be alive. He was really a smart man. He was one of the very first people to 
realize how important computers were going to be. So we're in a class, and got an IBM 360 that we're working off of, punch cards, the whole deal. Oh, geez. Having us do a reservoir study, you know, on the And I'm not doing very well. He called me out of class. So Mr. Hall stands up. You do not learn how to focus. You are going to wind up on a drilling bit, diamond or focus. And my response was, to Dr. Fitzgerald, I thought a drill bit was diamond or focus. It was one of the places that you found oil in there. And so he looked at me, and I looked at him, and kind of had to stare off. And, you know, I, I should have taken this. I should have got that was That was 1972. Okay, think about how far I've I didn't. I, I went into the hard iron side of it. I went to work at Chevron and went well off door. That's what I want to do. But my point is, it's been around, but it hasn't always been available. Devin, XI, XTO, all those companies do all this. If they already have it, they spent millions for the first time. If you have, if you have one well, one well. Yeah, one it's well. Excessive. If that one well is important, you have one disposal well. We can, but, but for our those, customer, we, we did. It is scalable though. What you do, you don't you don't have to be a one well operator. You can be a like so. so uh, the best customers are that mid level of hundreds to five hundred thousand. I mean, I talked to Colby fifty the other day. You know, I mean, they love stuff like this. Yeah, data, 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 data. That is all. So right. here's the other differentiator for us. This is by the way, thanks, Colby. The other di- differentiator for us is we actually can understand what we need before we even try to sell you. We sit down and the first question you have is what problem. What problem are you trying to solve? Because we're petroleum engineers. Okay, I apologize in advance for that. You know, an engineer thinks he knows everything. He I need you to because all my surgeon. best friends are, you know, brain surgeons. You brain surgeons. Yeah. Just give me a scalpel in the book and put some light on there and I can get taken care of. So we're, we're a little bit tough animal to deal with, but they know what they want and you'll sit down and talk with them and, and you know, it could be a real simple solution. When I, I, I just, I sat on the other side of the desk and I, Hated being loaded up. You know what I mean by that. Yeah. I'm going to load your wagon. You're, you're in fear. You got troubles. You got the government on you. Hey, man, I could really give these guys possibly. I will not do that. But, but if I could be known as the person that can help you make money, well, guess what? I think I'm going to call back. And if you don't call me back, then you're probably not that smart. If you're making money and you don't call me back, I'm not that smart. You hear that? You know, cold will cat is not that smart. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> So that's, that's what we do. But just one more thing, back to the back to the screen. Uh, they have scaled what the large companies do by digitizing people's work to asset management. And so that's our that's our relationship. And I'm really fortunate. Uh, and interestingly enough, for some we started just a couple of years ago with COVID. Uh, I've never I've never actually sat in the room with the owners that time, but I know them real well. That's the other interesting thing about the oil company. Well, the, you can develop relationships with people that you've never met, right? Mm-hmm. Now. Well, even before you did, you know, it was a remote business. Yeah. You know, you, you, you had a good reputation. People checked on you. They did business with you. Mm-hmm. That, that's one of the things I like about the oil business. Man, one of the things I like about the oil business is I shake hands with most of the people I work with. Right. I, that's my, I love defining relationships with our industry. Seeing everybody's face, seeing you know, hands, seeing you on LinkedIn, and finally getting to meet you, you know, stuff like that. That makes me happy. So you you seen this on LinkedIn? Oh, uh, oh yeah. Well, okay, I've seen it on LinkedIn. Yeah, well, okay. Yeah, your guys' marketing team, you know, you should give them a raise. They've done so well. You send it out in the ether, and you never, you never really. <laughs> yeah, no. You know, but I will say this: 
great logo, great name. Then you start digging in like, oh, it does this, this, and this. And I, so I, I, I don't know too much about this, but we had a world-class fight inside the company about the logo. I, I won't go into it, but these are all technologists and marketing people. Remember, David? And you were the probably World War Three. The logo doesn't matter that much. You just got to hurry up and make one and get it out there. Well, we had... We're, we're satisfied with this. In fact, Gail, only the people that work at the company care about what the logo actually is. So well, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you Gail's story. Gail designed the box. And we sold this from Apple with a lot of effort into the box because people keep boxes. So we've got a box where this logo is on one side and it peels over the top and it doesn't say located. Well, and out at the Bennett uh, Center when we were doing the, the trade show this past year. Yeah, the World of Gas show yeah. from OERB. OERB. People would walk by and stop because they saw the box and said, I don't, I don't know what you sell, but I like that box. Like <laughs> of all the things. Yeah. So it's fun. There you go. You need a, maybe you should have a booth in the, in the, uh, <laughs> in the oil and gas show. Uh, I might be lonely. I don't know. That's <laughs> fine. You, we go there. Oh, right. you might well, be surprised. That's actually a really good show. Love the show. It's been very the good. The Petroleum Alliance, the OERB and the SOER, man, those huge, huge fan of what they've done. And the thing I like about trade shows is when you barge into somebody's office, they may or may not be in a mood to talk about what you're doing. But everybody that comes to the trade show is looking for something. Okay? George so, has had success there. So, they're, they're, some, some. so but we, we, we really think that the trade show is great. So, so you need to maybe pay them a little bit of money to any time, this is just an idea, there's a spill out of a tank. Well, Caddy alerts you know, the owners of the well. And the tank battery, and then you get a notification, and you go ahead and get up, get out there, and give them an evaluation of what you can do. How about that? Hmm. Or, 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 or how about better than that? Okay. How about we go to his clients, and he gets a referral system, and then we set up a monitoring service, and then if we see a situation, we start calling people and saying, "Hey, you might check this. We think there's something about this." You know, it's the old, it's the old doctor story. It's actually a Chinese proverb. You got three doctors. One of them was a world famous healer. And then the other one had a great hospital practice. And then the other doctor, uh, he didn't have much because his patients never got sick. So the question is, who is the better doctor? Well, I vote for the one whose patients never got sick. I vote for the operator <laughs> who never has school. What does that look like? I don't know. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Yeah. And it, it, and it's a okay. Remember, we didn't even have burns. You remember the day that there were no burns? Mm-hmm. And it spilled and just ran out in the guy's field. Okay, and so then we went to burns, and then the burns started filling up with rainwater. And, I mean, you know, there's this evolution. But I still think we need burns. But now I think, as a defensive measure, you need to know when your tanks, you need to know your tank capacity, what's overflowing, your injection pressure. Here's another one. Put a, people resist this, but put a pressure transducer on the annulus of your injection well. You know, well, why would I do that? It's zero. Absolutely. And you got a date stamp and it's zero, zero, zero. And guess what? When it develops a hundred pounds on it, what's most likely that's happened? You'd have a hole in your tube and your tobacco tube. So now would you rather repair the tube you might get? Or would you rather wait three more years to your MIT test and now it's eating a hole in your case? And now you've got a few hundred thousand dollar uh those are those are the little things that it's hard to show up on a balance sheet, but, but you know in the absence of that, what you're doing is correct. Mm-hmm. So. If I make any noise, it's because I'm pouring myself Town. If you're listening in Oklahoma from Town, you're welcome to continue to send bottles.
Love you time today. The next time you're in here, coach time. Today. I'm not against it. I'm just against it right this <laughs> Yeah, well, you're. <laughs> I pulled you in here. You're like, man, I don't know what I'm going to get into. I, this I will say this. Uh, I've, I've rung the bell from that in my life. Where? Yeah. All right, Steve. Give me a little bit more about your business before I kick your bed out here and I'll go home to our uh, family right. Friday night. Well, uh, what I would say is what life's been like a little bit outside the oil field, looking yeah, back so, into the oil field, right? Because I know you I have constantly a, bug you about like, okay, how are you doing? Well, I know that you have a, a sort of uh, skewed perception of people outside of the oil and gas. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Just a little. So from looking outside, looking in, and so um, I can say this right now that employers and in other industries want people to work for them that were in oil and gas. There we go. Because of the work ethic, because of the accuracy that they, they're reliable. The reliability, their availability. To this day, right now, if I'm awake, I'm working, I will answer my phone. I will get back to you. If I'm on the phone, we'll get a text that says I'm on the phone. I mean, I still do that to this day. People shop for houses when they're not working and on the weekends. So I need to be available. And I get that from being a normal guest. And so um, that's one thing I like to say that the, the oil and gas workers are really held in high regard by industries that value a hard work ethic. Nice. Um, with that, uh, I can say there's two places, there's two things that you'll never see someone in oil and gas doing out there in Oklahoma City, right? So sometimes I'm driving through traffic, I just kind of looking around, and I see someone sitting in their car by themselves wearing a mask. <laughs> <laughs> you know that person's not in the oil and gas business, okay? <laughs> no, I mean, two weeks ago, I was in, uh, I was in uh, Midland, Texas at the uh, AAD Permian uh, you know, Operators Forum, and we were definitely uh, hugging and loving on each other, a lot of kisses on the cheeks, even saying, hey guys, it's so good to see you. 500 of us in this room, whatever you got, I want it, I love you very much. So yeah, we're not wearing masks right? Right. in our cars. Yeah. Yeah. And something that we've missed over the last few years, my wife is a medical professional, she's a nurse we talk about the more cold people, the separation, being absent, and that kind of thing, it's, it's uh, had an effect. I think everybody's ready. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, I'm pretty much like it never existed. I did whatever I wanted, whatever I wanted anyway. Yeah, Matt never slowed down. <laughs> never slowed down. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's one more. There's one more place that you won't find someone with oil and gas. So after the light turns green, you kind of laugh at the person in the car by themselves wearing a mask. You're driving by the next weed dispensary, right? You're not going to find a bunch of trucks parked backwards in that parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes I have to look to see if I recognize cars. This is true. <laughs> Did you mention that? And one of the, uh, the downsides to that right now, because I've got several uh, friends, real friends that are vendors that have their own brand company. And keep your CDL and get it. You can't, you can't have a, you can't have a marijuana, right. marijuana license because you, you can't drive, you can't get insurance. So yeah. there's a real restriction on people that they can hire. Because it's so hey, we're talking about so interestingly enough, there are people here in Oklahoma with grows, right? They're looking for cheap, reliable, you know, energy to keep their uh to keep their grows. I have a good story about that. Yeah, yeah, I think you may have even started me off on this, but if they have the uh flare gas nearby and they can put it together a generator out there to run that flare gas into electricity oh. instead of feeding it to the grid. They're feeding the grows with their lighting sources. So it's not impossible for our industry to partner with, you know, that industry, the medicinal industry and say, Hey, by the way, 
we can have this trapped flare gas that we can turn it into generator power. And if you want to put your grows over there somehow, you know, you guys can pay us for our you know, electricity. Right. Well, I mean, it's, it's, there's no end to what we can do for our world. But that would require the people growing to, uh, be smart about energy, right? So that's a good segue to my story. So when, uh, it was during a downturn, we had that really cold ice storm that hit the city in this, this region. And, uh, you were out there cutting. I mean, how many crews did you have? You guys oh, man. Busy, yeah. Man. So before I got, yeah. So we, we were doing the chainsaw and all that. Oh, gosh, and so, uh, well, I got to call off my friend. I'm going to give my friend Britt Combs a, a plug here and a uh, poly pipe. So it just so happened that Britt had a lot of generators in the yard when all the bigs left. And, uh, so he got a call from a, a, a weed grow and their electricity was down and, and all their plants were going to die if they didn't have electricity. So, Brent's like, well, I've got a generator, and it's the size of this room we're in, right? So he, he pulls up in that and uh, rigs it up for him and all that, right? And so they get the, they get this, it's turned a metal building into this weed growth thing. The wiring was really bad. And so the next day, Brent gets a call, and these guys are complaining, man, your generator sucks. It doesn't work. It's, it's broke down, all this and that. And Brent's like, okay, well, I'll be there in just about 10 minutes. And Brent, the owner of the company, shows up himself. Those guys ran out of diesel, okay? So <laughs> those, are the t- those are the type of people that are <laughs> doing these weed grows. And not all of them, I guess, but these people were. And so, yeah. So what Brit says, well, I can have a truck show up and fill this thing up real fast. You know what they do? Nope. They're using uh, yellow five-gallon uh, yeah, tanks to fill up a generator the size of this room. It's like a 400-gallon. I mean, it was comical. It was, and we were just sitting there watching him, you know. We were, I got I, He's like, you get a kick out of this. We went up there at midnight. I was watching it. I always get a kick out of stories outside of oil and gas. Yep. So we're in this room. I definitely want to just say thank you for everybody out there that's in oil and gas for what you do. I'm just so appreciative of our industry and the people in it. I mean, this is my family. Right? It's giving back to me, giving back to me, giving back to me, giving back to me. So for you guys to be in this with me and here, like, I'm just astonished. Like, I get to hang out with my friends maybe every Friday. And promote, you know, Wellcat. Brett, I get to meet you, find out about your story. George, I heard your story too much and I love you anyway. <laughs> and C. Yeah. Davis, who I cherish in my life. Love you too, yeah. yeah. Known this yeah well, I guess for me, the oil and gas industry gave me my start. Gave me my education, gave me my start. You know, I went into business for myself for 40 plus years. Just paid my taxes, paid my mortgage, sent my kids to school, bought cars, groceries. That's what and you created jobs for the people. And yeah, how many people do you employ right now? How many how how is World Caddy contributing to our industry right now with that? Yeah, well it was about twelve right now. Right. Well really cool because of the double that might be Wow. We'll be double that. We got a big growth program. Well I don't think you're gonna plan it. I think our industry is hungry for data on their wells and you have it. We have a say missing data is missing data. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Twenty percent increase in profitability. Just by starting. Yep. That's just the start. And then it goes from there. Where do you, where do you see it going from here? What else do you think Well Caddy can do in the future? We've been asking for Well Caddy on a roller coaster. <laughs> they wanted them like, all roller coaster instance, a series of tracks and a motor type. They want, yes. they want the deck stuff. They want to know when the motors are running, what their loads are, when they go down. Okay, now that was an unusual mm-hmm. request. Uh, farming, uh, water, you see all those gas powered or electric powered. Commercial pumps out there. Uh, we're looking at that. Rural water is a big one. We've dabbled in it. We, we haven't gone into it yet, but 
right now most rural water is one and a half full-time employees. It's it's a full-time guy and a part-time guy, a weekend guy. And you know how you know when the water system's down? When the lady's washing her hair, she runs out of water. We're going to get in trouble in this podcast. I know. There are. You can use all the water you want. There are some industries that are heavily digitized. The medical industry, you know, I've got a couple of buddies that are cardiologists. And in the old days, back when, they did get a call three in the morning on Mr. Davis or whatever. And they would sit and talk to the nurse. And the nurse would read the chart. And then he'd have to interpret. And then finally he'd say, oh, heck, I'm just going to get dressed. That was now, all that's digitized, and he can get it on his phone. And so he can look at the patient's chart and look at it and say, hey, I need to come up or do this, and we'll monitor that now. There are a lot of automobile industry heavily digitized. I mean, big time. I mean, the bank industry. But the oil, particularly the independent oil and gas industry, is the last largest undigitized industry in the world. And we're not even, we're not even talking overseas. We've been asked to go overseas, but I'm ready yet. A whole bunch of regulatory issues there. How many operators are right here? You ever got on the corporation commission operator list? Thousands, right? I mean, we, I mean really, just like, hey, I own one well. There's, yeah. I don't know. I don't anymore. But I mean, it's it's everything. Yeah. I've got three wells and I, I eat all the way. But there's, there's our goal this year. I'm going to help promote you. Like, hey, by the way, if you have a you know well site and you have a tank battery and everything that well caddy can do, there we go. If you have one well, one well. There you go. Because I was the guy that owned that one well, and I needed that income to feed my family. I know what that feels like. You have one well, you are and we'll be glad that you are. Well, I'm honored for more. Well, Matt, remind me not to get on a roller coaster that's not certified by Wellcat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we get out of here, uh, go around the room real quick and tell everybody out there uh, how to get a hold of you. Uh, go ahead, Steve. All right, Steve Davis. I'm at Hometown Lenders here up in the city. We're a local lender. You can call me at 405-651-1729. You're on LinkedIn, too. I'm on LinkedIn, too. And George Edwards. George Edwards. Edwards Environmental. Edwards favorite. Environmental Corporation. You can reach me at 405-843-3431. And I'm on LinkedIn as well. And, hey, I just got George a uh, a tripod and a little uh, microphone for his lapel. So watch for him on LinkedIn. I'm going to be making him do little videos out in the middle of nowhere talking about oil and gas stuff. Okay. Greg. Greg Hall, I'm, I'm chairman of Wellcaddy. Uh, the best place to get us is wellcaddy.com. Or you can uh, call me at 405-630-7620 and, uh, or ghall at wellcaddy.com. Ghall. I love uh, Our company is Greg Hall Oil and Gas. And I need to design it this way, but our guys started calling me ghall. So, <laughs> the next podcast. Hey, by the way, anybody that's ever been in this room, you are now patched in. You're welcome to be a guest host and bring your friends in here. If I know Greg that you have some interesting friends and other stories, I have some. So anybody that you can con into coming in here with you, we'll get them in here. We'll continue to promote Well Caddy and then bring your friends in here to you know talk about what they do too. Right? That's good. That's all right. Good. It's been great. Right. I appreciate all of you guys. Take care. God bless. We'll see you next time on the Talking Energy Show. Thanks again, Trace Management, for the space. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye-bye.